Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Thank you for joining us. This is Chris Errington and uh, I have a special guest today, uh, Mike Sampson. Now, Mike, you will be familiar, I'm sure, um, does a lot of the coverage and sees lots of the Argyle youth team games, the South Coast Peninsula League, the under-18s, the Central League. So with Mike being our guest today, we'll be able to talk about... uh, youth development at Argyle and uh, there's been lots of games going on recently in the Central League, the Southwest Peninsula League and the Premier League Cup so it seems like a good opportunity to catch up with Mike and get some thoughts from him. Um, we're recording this podcast just a few minutes after seeing Argyle play their latest Central League game. They played a, a top of the table clash, Argyle top against second placed MK Dons at Home Park on Tuesday afternoon and uh, Perhaps surprisingly, especially considering the team that Argyle had out, they were beaten 5-0 by MK Dons, with former Exeter City striker David Wheeler getting a three of the goals. But uh, we'll come back to that uh, a bit later on in the podcast. If you hear any uh, sounds of chattering teeth, it's because Mike and I (laughs) are freezing, aren't we, Mike? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It was a cold old afternoon at the back of the barn park end. And, um, yeah, so we're we're beginning to thaw out as we record the podcast. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. And um, hopefully we'll be a little bit warmer by the time we finish this podcast. Um, People say I speak with a lot of hot air. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mike was at Saltash United on Saturday when... um, Quite a strong Argyle team were beaten 3-1 in the Southwest Peninsula League. We'll discuss that with Mike um, in shortly. I was obviously up at um, Sunderland, the Stadium of Light, to see Argyle uh, beaten 2-0 by the Black Cats. Um, and you know, clearly it was a disappointing day for Argyle. Not an unexpected result because given Sunderland's position in the table, the strength of their squad. I mean, one of the highlights, you know, in terms of the difference between the two clubs, right? Will Grigg is a four million pound striker. He started the game for Sunderland, and then they replaced him late on in the game with another one million pound plus striker in Charlie Wyke. And you know, I wonder what Derek Adams makes of things like that when he sees players of that quality and the amount of money that they cost you know playing against his side because it's just chalk and cheese isn't it you know the difference between the likes of Sunderland and Argyle just a brief thought uh, or two on the game you know Argyle never really never really got going they didn't really get in on the front foot at any stage Freddie Ladapo had a, a chance early on that went wide but apart from that as an attacking force Argyle didn't do too much Carey and the Miris, so important for them over the recent run of results, um, weren't factors in the game, um, were dealt with well by Sunderland. And, um, you know, Argyle were were in the game in the terms of Sunderland didn't have masses of clear-cut opportunities, but they needed Kyle Leveran to make a couple of important saves in the first half. Otherwise, Sunderland would have been more than the 1-0 ahead they were at the break, which came 
courtesy of a goal from Lee, Lee Catamol uh, just after the half hour mark. Carey um, caught in possession and that led to um, Catamol putting Sunderland ahead. The second half was, was more even. Argyle had a couple of opportunities. Jan Songo probably going the closest, um, forcing a good diving save out of John McLaughlin. Uh, and Oscar Threlko then shooting into the side netting from the follow-up. But although Argyle were there or thereabouts, you couldn't really see them open up uh, the Sunderland defence. And late on, Cross coming in from the left and George Honeyman, the Sunderland skipper, firing home past Argyle's substitute goalkeeper, Matt Macy, who'd come on for, for Kyle Leveren after he suffered a groin injury. And uh, we'll again touch on the, the Kyle Leveren uh, groin injury and the goalkeeping situation at Argyle in a minute with Mike. Um, so just a few general observations on the Argyle Chat Facebook uh, page that we have and thank you to all those of you that have liked it. If you haven't, type in Argyle Chat on Facebook and you'll find our own dedicated page to the, uh, to the, to the podcast. We asked for some questions from you, uh, from our listeners uh, on that and we've had um, a good response. Thank you very much. You're always welcome to ask your questions on the podcast. Uh, Argyle Chat Facebook page. Now, Mike, I'm going to get uh, Mike to read the questions out and we'll have a quick answer of a few of the questions. So, Mike, if you could fire away. Yes, first of all, we have a question from Jessica Wigginton. Do you agree with Adam's comments that the occasion got to the Argyle players on Saturday? Well, it was interesting. One of the first phrases he used after the game in his post-match press conference was that he thought the Argyle players were scared. And, and that's quite a strong strong word to mm. use isn't it yeah. he also went on to say that he thought the occasion got to the players and I, I would agree with that definitely I'm not sure they were scared I mean they are professional football players they will have all um, played in, in high profile games at one stage or another you know you look at the likes of Graham Carey he will have played at Celtic and Rangers and clubs like that in front of massive crowds so I'm, I'm not sure that they were necessarily, necessarily scared but I think the occasion definitely got to them they never got into the game they never really imposed themselves and uh, you know the key players the people that you were looking to make uh, an important contribution for Argyle didn't do that Sunderland are a good side they've got good players it's a fantastic stadium 32,000 crowd you know lots of good things to say about Sunderland as a club um, but I do think Argyle didn't do themselves justice so yes I, I, I would I'd be inclined to agree that the occasion did get to them right thank you Chris uh, the second question is from Dave Searle it says did you think putting the travelling Argyle fans up in the gods is is tactical by Sunderland so the fans can't influence a ref if we were behind the goal Saturday for the penalty shout we would have put him under more pressure a couple of good points by Dave thank you for the question yes the Argyle fans all 1700 of them were in the top tier of the stand behind one of the goals um 1,700 fans, normally at most League One grounds, would look a lot of people. Yes. Um, but in the 49,000-seat um, uh, Stadium of Lights, it was a very small part of the big stadium. You could hear them, definitely throughout the game. Uh, at times, they were making more noise than the, the home fans, but they were very far from the action. And um, So, you know, from a Sunderland point of view, would you put fans up into the very top tier to keep them away from, you know, from influencing the pitch? Well... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they did that. It would make, from a Sunderland point of view, it would make sense, wouldn't it, Mike? Definitely, you know, to, definitely. To, to have fans as far away as possible. And the penalty incident that Dave mentioned is was a good shout for a penalty from Argyle. Gary Sawyer, the Argyle captain and left-back, 
got forward, cut inside onto his right foot, looked as though he had his shot, which was going on target, because I was behind the behind the shot from our seat in the press box. It was, it was on target. I'm not saying that it would have gone in, but McLaughlin would have had to have made a save at least. Argyle had a good appeal for penalty. It wasn't given. Now, if you had 1,700 Argyle fans right behind that goal... They'd have been roaring for it. They would have been <laughs> roaring for it. And then would referee Graham Salisbury had more of a decision to make. Instead, he gave the corner, despite the protests from Argyle. So, yeah, Dave, good good point. Um, it might be a case of where Sunderland are using the size of their stadium to, um, to their advantage. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is called home advantage. So, um, yes, I think you, you might well be right, Dave. Thanks for the question. Yeah, that's a good question, that. Mm. Number three is from Richard Sloman. Mm. Do we need to change our tactics away from home? Increasingly, Kerry and Lemiris are becoming anonymous in away matches. They are, they are asked to do more tracking back and covering away, which is not their strong point. And, that, and they then cannot contribute as much offensively. Perhaps time to be more direct with Ladapool playing off Taylor. Thanks for the question, Richard, who's one of our regular uh, listeners and, and uh, contributors of questions. Um, I just think with the Taylor and Ladapo thing, is that, that Derek Adams doesn't really buy into that. Um, we've seen it at times uh, this season, haven't we, when Taylor and Ladapo have played up front. They've started a couple of games together. They've played a few more times when Taylor's come off the bench and played alongside or just off... off uh, Ladapo, I'm not sure it's really ever worked, although the counter-argument to that is unless you give them a, a run of games together to build up an understanding, it perhaps never will. Um, so I'm not totally um, convinced that Derek Adams is really ever going to regularly play Ladapo and Taylor up front. As to the point about, you know, Carey and Lemire's becoming, you know, less effective in away games, well, Argyle's away form recently has been decent, hasn't it? You know, mm, they went yeah. to Peterborough and won. Uh, they had a, a point at Bradford. I know they didn't play well in the second half at Bradford, but they got a point. But, of course, you always want to get Carey and Lemire's involved in the game as much as possible, and they definitely weren't that at Sunderland. So, um Maybe a slight, slight tweaking of tactics. Of course, Anthony Sarsavik was missing at Sunderland on Saturday, and I think he was a big miss for them. He gives them a lot of drive going forwards, tracking back, and then it allows a bit more freedom and uh, licence to roam for Kerry and Lemires when Sarsavik's there. Um, against Sunderland, I'll, I'll tweak it slightly. They had David Fox sat deep in a 4-1-4-1, and uh, Oscar Threlkeld started. And while... They did okay. It was no more than okay. And when you're playing a team against Sun like Sunderland with the quality they have got, you've got to be better than okay to have any chance of uh, getting a result. Good answer. <laughs> we try our best. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is from Nick Tomlinson. Mm. Another lengthy question. Okay. Will the squad be feeling pressure to get some kind of result against Luton, given how tight the bottom of the table is? and the potential to be drawn back into the mix? Or do we feel that the squad is better than the teams around us? And will we be able to pick up points against teams from around fifth or sixth down on a consistent basis like we have, have since the turn of the year? One of the keys, thanks for the question, Nick. Nick is uh, Mr. PIFC displays, the, the man behind the uh, the, the flags and the uh, flags and, and uh, uh, 
banners and things we see at uh, Argyle home games. So keep up the good work, Nick. Um, do we think the, the players will be feeling the pressure? Um, I, I think that win against Rochdale, the 5-1 win, was a key one because it bought Argyle some breathing space going into the away game against Sunderland and the home game against Luton. And make no mistake, you know, Luton come into Home Park on Saturday. They're top of the table. They're on a fantastic run of results. They're scoring goals for fun. That is going to be probably Argyle's toughest test of the season so far, certainly at, at home park they are an informed strong, solid team but Argyle did build up that buffer over the bottom four with that win against Rochdale yes they slipped up against Sunderland if they can get a point against Luton I think we'd all agree that would be a good yeah. result, wouldn't we Mike? I mean yeah. Luton a fantastic team at the moment I would prefer to say that the most important game for Argyle would be the following Tuesday because mm -hmm. they can build a lead over Shrewsbury yes and uh, who are down the near, further down the table than them. I think that's the more important. A point against Luton, but three points against Shrewsbury. Yes. Um, what Argyle have done well is that they've beaten teams in the lower... As um, Nick alludes to, they've beaten the teams lower down the division this season. They've had a good record against those teams. You know, they've beaten Walsall at home park. They've beaten Rochdale. They've, they've picked up points against the teams they need to be making sure they, they finish above and keep below them. So... Um, you know, with with reference to the next next question, I think that you know, do I feel the squad's better than the teams around them? The recent results, take away the Sunderland one, which was against the good side, has been good. That's uh, just two defeats in eleven games. That sort of form over the rest of the season will see them, you know, comfortably to safety. But um, it is tight and. No one should be under any illusions that if Argyle did have two or three bad results in a way, they'd be dragged right back into the mix. So, is is it important to to, to get a result against Luton? It'd be great if they did, but I, I Mike makes a really good point. I think the game against Shrewsbury next Tuesday at Home Park is the one that they really need to be uh, looking to win. You know, uh, uh, if at all, if at all possible. I think you've almost uh, answered the last question because it's, on, on, it's the same theme. Okay, well, Michael Kimber has asked. Mm. I think Wimbledon, Rochdale, and Bradford are either too far adrift or in such bad form that we should be safe from them. Mm -hmm. It's fourth, fourth bottom that could be a, a risk. Hopefully, there are enough teams between us and fourth bottom, but it could be an interesting running. Uh, I think it could be an interesting running. Thank you, Michael, for the points you make. Yes, it's. Um, I think Argyle are four points clear of the relegation zone as things stand. Uh, we have uh, 11 games to go. It's it's hard to believe the season's you know ticking down as as quickly as it is. It's really important that Argyle pick up a few more wins, uh, you know, in the next month or so to take any sort of pressure off them. But uh, they have got a, a, an interesting run of games. You know, Luton at home will be tough. Then they're at home to Shrewsbury, away to Fleetwood, a uh, long trip up to the northwest, and then they've got Bristol Rovers, another team that are down um, in the relegation mix, coming to Home Park on the 23rd of March. So. You know, you can see some really important games coming up there. Mm. And uh, I think Argyle have just got to keep the points total ticking over as best they can and, and try and win those games against the likes of Shrewsbury and Bristol Rovers who will be looking to finish the season above come the end of the season. So um, 
Thank you very much for those questions and points that you've you've made. Uh, always great to to, to hear um, your points of view and opinions. And uh, like I say, make sure you check out the Argyle Chat Facebook page. And that's a good way. If you've got any questions or points that you'd like to make, we always check that and we try and answer them as many of them as possible. Now, on to Mike, because Mike has been a busy boy lately. He's seen <laughs> Argyle beat Exeter City 1-0 in the Central League on February the 19th. He saw uh, them uh, win 3-2 against Cambridge United in the EFL Merit 2 League on the 22nd. He saw them uh, beat Aston Villa impressively 4-1 in the Premier League Under-23 Cup on February the 25th. Then it was Saltash United away in the Southwest Peninsula League and Argo will be beaten 3-1 in that game. And then, as I say, as we're recording this, we've just watched Argyle play Milton Keynes Dons in the Central League and they've been beaten 5-0 with former Exeter striker David Wheeler getting a hat-trick. Um, Mike, should we just quickly just reference that game? Because a 5-0 defeat for a team that was top of the table in the Central League, you know, what, what did you make of what we've just seen? Well, I was disgusted, to be quite honest. I think outside um, Lloyd Jones and uh, the fullback Joe Riley, Joe Riley, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't think of anybody else that had anywhere near a decent game. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, three mistakes, possible mistakes by um, goalkeeper Matt Macy, contributed to Argo being three 0 down at half time. Mm-hmm. When for the first twenty five minutes. Milton Keynes didn't even look like having a shot on goal. Mm. And uh, the game was over then, to be quite honest. Argo were chasing shadows, and which had happened second half. Now, you mentioned those those three first-half goals for Milton Keynes. Um, I think they came in a five-minute spell. The first one was uh, when Matt Macy uh, slid into David Wheeler out... Or we felt it was outside the penalty area, didn't we? It was area, definitely a we? yard outside the box. <laughs> the, to be quite honest, Wheeler never actually got in the Argo area. Yeah. So how can it be a penalty? <laughs> so, but the penalty was awarded yeah. for that challenge, wasn't it? Yeah. And Robbie Simpson scored within two minutes. Um, Matt Macy's come to the, try and collect a ball, play forward, a hopeful ball. Um, Robbie Simpson's beaten to it, beaten him to it. Wheeler's left with a tap in, and then uh, Wheeler's then uh, latched onto a, a, a badly underhit back pass from Scott Wooten. Uh, Macy couldn't get there. Wheeler nips in. And three nil. I mean, it was a it was a terrible five minute period, wasn't it? Oh, awful, awful. Mm. Yeah. And uh, my worry is that uh, if Mr. Leverin is injured for mm-hmm. Saturday, mm-hmm. will Mr. Macy's confidence be so badly hit that he he won't be good enough to play against Luton? Now we saw Kevin Nanskeville, the Argyle coach, after the game, and we did ask about the extent of the groin injury to to Kyle Leverin, but. Uh, Perhaps not surprisingly, he wasn't giving anything away about that. So um, he just uh, made reference to the fact that Kyle Everton is with the medical staff. And, uh, you know, we'll find out more uh, either later in the week or maybe even on the day of the game. But, um, you know, clearly Kyle Everton's uh, been an excellent, uh, an excellent form for Argyle in terms of not only making important saves at uh, key stages of games, but the way he's organised the defence and marshaled the the troops in front of him. So we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled on what happens with Kyle Leverham. But uh, it wasn't a great afternoon for no. Matt Macy. He, he was substituted with about 20 minutes to go. Michael Cooper came on, but Kevin Nanskeville said that was a premeditated change. They were always going to do that. So um, giving uh, Cooper a little bit of a, a central league uh, run out. So. Um, <coughs> Pardon me, Mike, as I, I slightly cough. Um, 
So yeah, it was it was a poor game. Second half, it wasn't any better, was it either? No, no, we never looked like it. We had a, we had a couple of chances. Mm. We had one scramble in the first half where three were cleared off a line in one yes. one attack. Mm. And uh, young Dan Rooney, who's doing really excellently mm. with his spell and long spell at Truro, mm. um, shot over from six yards, volleyed over from six yards. Mm. But that was the sum total, to be quite honest. Yeah. Now let's um, let's talk more specifically about youth development because Mike, you've seen um, a lot of the games. Uh, you go to the the Milk Cup or the Northern Ireland Super Cup now. Super it's called, Cup, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Every I'm going year. again this year. Good. Um, so you you see the young lads when they're 15, 16 uh, in 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 Northern Ireland, don't you? Yeah. And then and then then develop through. I mean, how how sort of enjoyable is it to go to a sort of tournament like that and see oh, the youngsters in action? Well, I've gone 12 out of the 13 years. The only time I didn't go was when Argo were in. in, in administration and uh, they couldn't go because they couldn't afford to mm. so I've been to 12 out of 13 years over there and I wouldn't miss it um, I'm on my way to my uh, three score and ten at the moment but I still got to go over there and stay fit enough to go over there mm. and um, it's harder each year to keep up with the young lads but it's <laughs> great to see it yeah. and people like youngster like Oscar Massey last year to see the boy win the um, the golden boot mm. for the top scorer in the competition yeah. which is a national international competition mm. teams from Brazil and Colombia America Australia Russia everything all teams in from all over the world are in this competition and he won the golden boot and as top scorer in the competition, you know, and that boy, to be honest, I think if he's handled right at Argo, will be one to watch for the future. So there you go, listeners. Listen out for the name. Say that again, Mike. Oscar Massey. Yeah, so maybe somebody that we need to be watching out for in the years to come. Now, Oscar Massey's a goal scorer mm-hmm. and um, somebody that scored lots of goals for Argyle in the youth ranks. And a couple of times in the first team, but not so much recently, is Alex Fletcher. Now, he burst into the first team a couple of years ago. Um, but over the past couple of seasons, his first team opportunities have been few and far between. Just uh, just think the, the one or two substitute appearances this season for him. Mike, of course, has had the benefit of seeing him in the games that I'm talking about. The Premier League Cup, the Central League. He's been captain of the Argyle team, I think, yeah. in, in some of those games. Mike... Um, the Argyle fans will have seen Alex Fletcher burst onto the scene a couple of years ago. Um, how's he doing at the moment? Well, I, I feel a bit sorry for Alex because he's at the moment he's playing the best football of the last two or three years. And his performance against Aston Villa was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. He had a hand in three of the goals and, and scored one himself. And he's he run a, a lone furrow up front on his own against a very good Aston Villa side who were only lost once in that competition and mm. scored 14 goals with only two conceded but he, he ran a lone furrow up there and he, he, he ran them ragged mm. and fully deserved his goal and a great 4-1 victory it was the best I've seen the Argo team play this season to be quite honest and uh, at that standard mm-hmm. but Fletcher is also he's, he's hitting the goals he's, he's had 5 goals in the Central League mm-hmm. And three in the last three games prior to today. Yeah. Three and uh, five goals, but three of them came in the last two Central League games yep. prior to this one. Yeah. He's also in the in in the uh, Southwest Peninsula, hit in excess of twenty goals, uh, which is a phenomenal amount. I, I know people say the standard is not the same. Mm. You've still got to take chances when they're there. Yeah. And you've still got some good goalkeepers in front of you, and he's taken them. 
he, he had a very good goal Saturday against Salt Ash in what was one a terrible performance because Oregon went over to Salt Ash with a very strong team and I'm sorry to say it but the, the, the senior professionals in that side let the side down terribly they did not perform they did not look as if they wanted to be on the pitch yeah. and I don't say that lightly mm -hmm. but that's, the, that's what they that's what it looked like you feel quite strongly about that because that's strong words you know yeah I do feel strongly mm. about it because I've been an Argo my first game at Argo was 1959 mm. I've been an Argo fan for 60 years and I've always wanted my team to do well and I was sweat blood for them mm. and I expect people who are getting well paid mm. to sweat blood for them as well mm. it don't matter whether you're playing in the Southwestern League or the Central League or the first team you give 100% for the club, and that was not happening. But Fletcher was one of the the few plus points to come out of that game. Well, this, there were several little youngsters there who mm. who were trying their hardest. There was Isaac mm. Burden. Yeah, he was only a fifteen year old. He was over in the Milk Cup. Yeah, and he was a fifteen year old, and he was the best Argo defender. Mm. You know, and um, the boy Burn, yeah. Andy Burn. Yeah, he played well as well. Mm. And these are youngsters. They showed up, the, the senior professionals, to be quite honest, with their effort. Yeah. And that shouldn't be. The, the senior professionals should be setting an example for the youngsters to follow. But they didn't. So Alex Fletcher, we still think that he's got something about him. Yeah, whether, whether, whether it's good enough for league football or not, you'd only find out if he went and uh, was given a chance in yes. there. Yeah. But I'm, I'm certainly sure that Alex will score goals for some team mm. if he, even if he doesn't stay at Argo next season Now Dan Rooney in midfield has been uh, on loan at Truro City and been playing lots of games for them regularly scoring goals assisting it, it sounds as though he's been playing well for Truro while he's been playing for Truro though he's also been playing quite a few games for Argo hasn't he Mike in the yeah. various competitions we've talked about um, you got any thoughts about Dan Rooney and his potential as a, a possible first team player? Well I think uh, the loan it's been a big bonus for Dan. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's had the star man down at uh, Truro about three or four times, I think. Mm -hmm. I think he scored seven goals from, uh, in not a bad standard of football. Remember, Torquay United are in the same league as yep. what he's playing in. Yep. And um, when you saw him there today, you can see that it's added something to his game. He's he's definitely more confident. And yeah, I think if he's given a chance when he comes back, if he's given a chance, I think Dan could. Mm force his way into the squad yep. maybe not into the playing starting lineup, yep. but certainly into the squad Yeah, it's, it's a problem for Argyle over the years isn't it they haven't been able to get too many of their young players through into the first team certainly you know there haven't been many that have become first team regulars mm. Ben Parrington is perhaps the only one that's really gone on and played yeah. any amount of yeah. games I mean that's it's disappointing isn't it really it's worrying mm. it is worrying um I think uh, the steps that uh, manager Adams took this season of uh, having a very big uh, reserve squad, I think 10 players, wasn't it, were given mm, professional yeah, contracts, yeah, yeah. Um, is a step forward because there has always been a gap between when they finished their apprenticeships at 18 mm. to the 21-year-old. Yeah. There's been that gap of playing good standard football. And, now, and he tried to do it this season by giving them it, it, it's his budget mm. you give 10 players a full time contract that's four to £5,000 a year a, yeah. a week yep. out of your budget 
so that can make a bit of a dent, can't it, in, oh, the, yeah. in the in the budget you're talking about? And they've entered the Premier League Cup this season. They didn't. Uh, they qualified for the group stage. They didn't get through to the knockout uh, stage of the competition, but they did have a, a good victory over Aston Villa that Mike's just mentioned. They had, um, I think, was it a win, three draws, and two defeats? And yeah. the opposition were Aston Villa, uh, Bristol City, and Derby County. Derby so County. strong, strong opposition. Uh, finishing well with Aston Villa. You saw um, quite a few of the games in in the Premier League Cup, Mike. I mean, any thoughts on on the value of entering that competition and how Argyle fared in it? Well, that's the competition, sort of competitions that Argyle have got to enter. Mm. They've got to be playing quality opposition mm. above the leagues that Argyle playing, and that's what they were doing. And you've got to play better opposition. You can't play opposition that you can thump six, seven, eight nil mm. like you're doing the Southwestern League at times. Mm. You've got to have quality opposition, mm. and that's what the. Um, under 23 Premier League Cup is quality opposition mm. yeah no I, I, the games that I saw and I didn't see as many as Mike um, it it will bring on people like Luke Jeffcott for example and yeah. people like that that are hopefully going to make the, the step from youth football to first team football but they need that that sort of quality of opposition and you know when you're playing against young players of the same age generally speaking there's a few overage players but generally in the Premier League Cup it seemed to be a proper under 23 competition you're pitting yourself against players that you might well come across in league football in years to come and if if you can make a good uh, uh, impression and mark in the Premier League Cup um, then that will hold you in good stead going forward and it also shows the manager Derek Adams that, that maybe you are able to make that transition so I think the Premier League Cup's been a brilliant thing for our goal to, to be involved in this season and um, you know hopefully players will like that will, will benefit from it I mean we've touched on Alex Fletcher and Dan Rooney uh, Mike you know any, any other of the sort of the development squad players that have caught your eye or ones well, that we should be talking about? Luke Jeffcott, obviously, um, I think if he's handled correctly and given the chance, the boy's confidence will grow and he's got the ability. Mm. He's a strong lad for his age. Um, but I've got to be honest, uh, coming through, I think Tom Puritan's doing come well this season. Mm -hmm. He's he's actually sprang up. <laughs> he looks more like his brother now. and um, But he's playing well. Mm -hmm. He's another one that occurred, you know, but... Uh, it's hard. It's hard because uh, football is a cutthroat business, mm -hmm. and success rates is the lowest of any job in the country. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to say, but uh, no, I think because um, of the standard they're playing most of their games in, you cannot tell. To be quite honest, I, I don't envy mm. Derek Adams and Kevin Hodges mm. in having to make decisions. Yeah. Because they're not having a, a something they can put against it and say well look they played well against this team who's a good team yeah. because the standard isn't there outside the, the under 23 cup which is why being in the central league is a good yeah. thing for Argyle although the, the game that we've seen today against Milton Keynes it was a very strong Argyle team I mean I'll just run through the, the starting lineup for Argyle and um there wasn't too much, uh, you know, too many young players on duty because it was Matt Macy, Joe Riley, Ryan Law, one of the young players coming through the ranks, Jamie Ness, Scott Wooten, Lloyd Jones, Luke Jeffcott, first-year professional, Connor Grant, Ryan Taylor, Dan Rooney, and Paul Anderson. So uh, the likes of uh, Alex Fletcher and Alex Battle were among the subs. That shows you 
what a strong side Argyle had. Now the fact they've lost 5-0 is, uh, is, is worrying, isn't it? Because you would have thought an Argyle team with that amount of quality would, uh, would do far better than that. Although it is worth pointing out, I think, Mike, that Milton Keynes-Dons... Strong a, side as well. Had a strong side as well. <laughs> they had David Wheeler, the former Exeter striker, scoring a hat-trick. Robbie Simpson, Ryan Harley, Lawson Daff. They had some good players in their side. Lee Nichols, the goalkeeper, has played 31 times Yes, for the first team this season. Yeah, he's been pretty much there ever-present this season. and made a couple of good saves, didn't yeah, he, during the game? Yes, he did. Uh, particularly uh, early on in the game when, um, when Argyle was still in the game. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it wasn't a great afternoon for Argyle, as I say. Connor Grant has uh, has picked up an injury, so we'll find out more um, uh, as soon as we can about uh, the extent of, extent of the injury to him. Well, we just spotted him coming out on crutches, didn't we? Yes, so yeah. you know it, it doesn't look promising. We'll try and find out more about Kyle Leatheran and and his uh, injury uh, status, and will Matt Macy play in goal against his former club because he had a loan spell with uh, Luton Town uh, uh, last a couple of seasons ago. So there's lots of uh, little things bubbling away uh, in the background. Argyle will still be without Anthony Sarsavik as he completes a two-match suspension. So it's going to be a tough, tough game for Argyle on Saturday. Sonny Bradley, of course, returning uh, to <laughs> yeah. home pipe, Mike. And what a good servant he was to Argyle oh, over two seasons, wasn't he? he was, I was gutted when he went. Mm. I was, out of all the, the departures, mm. Sonny Bradley was the one that I regretted most, mm. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the fans would feel the same as well. I mean... Yeah. He wore his heart on the sleeve, and he well, gave... a leader. Hmm. And no, no surprise that he's now the captain of Luton as well. That's right. He's got the captain's armband. Yeah. So, so anyway, we've got Luton Town uh, coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a big crowd. I think Luton have sold all their tickets already. I'm sure there'll be plenty of Argyle fans out. Uh, we'll have all our build-up that you would expect to a, a big game like that. And on the day of the game, a live blog, the player ratings, the uh, manager reaction. So, uh, you know, make sure you, you uh, stay tuned to the Plymouth Live website over the coming days because there's going to be plenty of content in the build-up to that game and on the day of the match. Mike, thank you very much for joining me for this week's podcast. I think we both warmed up a little bit after uh, <laughs> uh, watching the game against Milton Keynes Dons in the Central League. Um, so thank you for your company, Mike. Um, it's and, been a pleasure. And giving us your insight into Argyle's youth players and youth development. And uh, we will be back again next week with uh, another episode of Argyle Chat. Bear in mind, though, of course, that Argyle are playing Shrewsbury in League One next Tuesday, which is March the 12th off the top of my head, I think it is. It's next Tuesday. So the podcast will be on the Wednesday when we will look back on the games against Luton and Shrewsbury. So until then, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for listening. For all the latest Argyle news, head to the Plymouth Live website.